What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. January 13th, the Lord spoke directly to me and gave me a word. And um, it was uh, Proverbs 3.33 and Jeremiah 33.3. And um, Proverbs 3.33 says the curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Jeremiah 33.3 says, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. So I just kind of sat on that. I wrote it down. I wrote some personal references to it. I wrote it down and I put it on my desk with a thumbtack. And I just left it there. And I figured I would just come and um, every morning and just kind of renew that with him. And um, about that time, we got that big snowstorm. And I ended up staying at my daughter's and slept on her couch for nine days and um, was shoveling snow, doing snow removal at my job. Now, mind you, a little bit before that in December... I felt like the God, that God wanted me to move to another job. And I was I already gave my notice. I was so sure that's what the Lord was speaking to me. And I gave my notice, and I was supposed to move to another job. <laughs> I was set. I really thought I was going to be moving because my job that I have now is very physically taxing on me. And I'm not... Um, you know, I'm a female, I'll just put it that way, and my body's not built to be shoveling snow and doing some of the work that I do. Um, so five days before my last day at work, after giving a actually a three weeks notice, the Lord spoke to me and told me, I want you to stay. <laughs> I'll never forget it. I was like, what? And he said, I want you to stay. And I thought I was going to cry. I just, I was in shock. So then I called my off-site supervisor and I told her, the Lord told me to stay. I'm not going. Well, she's screaming and all excited on the phone, happy. And then she's like, you don't sound very happy about that. And I said, to be honest with you, I'm quite disappointed. I think I'm disappointed in the Lord because I thought for sure that I heard him when he told me, that I was going to move. I said, but I guess not. So during this nine days that I'm sleeping on my daughter's couch and shoveling the snow, the first night of the first storm, I got there at nine o'clock at night after I'd worked all day, me and my supervisor by ourselves. And I don't know if you're familiar with where I work, but it it's the size as I measured all the sidewalks and the parking lots. It's the size of two football fields is what has to be removed, ice and snow. So two of us, we have one snowblower and two push 
shovels. So after 9 o'clock that night, by 6 o'clock that morning, I was in the break room on the first floor in tears. I was literally broken. I'll never forget this. I was so broken. And I sat there in that break room and I said, God, I don't understand. I can't do this. I could barely walk. I could literally barely walk. I hurt so bad. I was in excruciating pain. And I'm trying to call out to him, and I'm sitting in the break room, bawling, broken, saying, God, I don't understand. Why am I doing this? Why am I killing myself? I feel like I'm going to die. This job's going to kill me. I don't understand what you're doing. Why am I here? And he wouldn't answer me. And after I finished my break, I got up to leave, and as I'm walking down the hallway, I heard him say, because I want you to learn how to lean on me. And trust me. And I remember smirking going, I think I'm going to lean on you and trust you so much it's going to kill me. As I'm walking on, I was not, I mean, I'll be honest, I was not happy. I was confused. I didn't understand. So after that nine days, I came home. I got my stuff unpacked. I sat down at the desk. And I saw this. And I took it off. And I read it again. And I said, Lord, is this why you spoke to me, what you spoke to me? Because you knew the snowstorm was coming and you knew I was going to have to seek you and lean on you to get through that. And he said, yes, but there's another reason. And then he started showing me some other things about the end of the days and how his people, including me, are not seeking him the way we should be seeking him. We are seeking after other things and we think we're seeking him and we're not seeking him and how important it is that we have to keep our focus on him. We have to seek him. And it's really interesting, pastor, when you were up here talking about the dream you had and you were talking about the spirits of pride and the the spirit of weariness and that's exactly what the Lord spoke to me in this the tonight was pride. And so, yeah, that was just, it was just, it went right along with what the Lord has been showing me. It was crazy. It was, I mean, that's God. That's what he does. <laughs> right? All right. So um, we're going to turn to Matthew 24. And I'm sure some of you, maybe all of you, are very familiar with this passage. Matthew 24, then Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these signs be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Isn't that a question that we ask a lot? When are you coming, Jesus? What are the signs of your coming? When is the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceive you. I'm going to stop right there. Apparently. 
we're going to go through this maybe next week. I don't know. But when I stopped, when I read this, he stopped me right there. And he said, take heed that no one deceive you. And then I started going through my mind about how many people out there, preachers, teachers, Christians are talking about outside deception, how social media is deceiving us, how there's false prophets rising up. There's um, pastors that are allowing drag queens to preach the word from their pulpit. Talk about deception, deep deception. There's all kinds of deception going on. But what the Lord spoke to me, he told me, take heed that you don't deceive you. You're not hearing people talk about self-deception. He said, that's what I want to speak to the church about. Self-deception. How we ourselves were all looking for that outside deception. We can spot it. If you're in the word and you know the truth, you know deception when it comes. The false prophets, the false preachers, the false teachers, the, 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 the drag shows in church. Um, Sunday school, dressed up as drag, teaching our children. I mean, the Lord says it's better to have a millstone tied around your neck than to harm one of these little ones. I'm not going to go there. I don't think the Lord wants me to go there right now, but I will (laughs) later. (laughs) Um, So he started talking to me about self-deception. Then he started walking me through some of my personal things. And one of those things was when I was living in Cape and I was going through some physical illness, as far as physical pain, not an illness, but pain. I was having excruciating pain, pain in my lower back. I was having pain shooting down my legs, and I could not figure out. I was I was part of the healing rooms ministry. I'm getting prayed for. I'm laying hands on myself. I've got other people praying for me. It would leave, and then it would come back. It would leave, and then it would come back, and it would be worse than it was before. And I remember one night. When I got off work, I came home, I sat down in the recliner, and I said, God, I'm not calling nobody. I'm not calling healing rooms. I'm not calling anybody. I'm calling you. You are the only one that knows why I'm hurting like this and what is going on with me. And I'm not budging until you tell me. And he said, you're walking in a fence. And I had to think about that for a minute. I was like, I'm walking in a fence. That means I'm being offended And then immediately it came to my mind. I was offended with my supervisor at that time. I immediately repented. I was actually like in my living room strutting because I was like, I'm walking in a fence. I had an answer. I was like, I know what it is. I'm walking in a fence. So I repented for it and I asked the Lord to show me. So the next day when I got to work, I'm trying to unlock the paper towel machine, and it wouldn't open. I got mad. I'm like, stupid, stupid paper towel machine. And the Lord said, you took offense. I'm like, how can I be offended at a paper towel machine? He said, you can be offended at a paper towel machine. Are you not irritated? And I'm like, yeah. He said, you just took offense at that paper towel machine. And I felt that pain. And then as soon as he brought it to my attention, and I said, Lord, I am sorry. Forgive me that I got offended at that paper towel machine. I am not offended at that paper towel machine. The pain left me. He walked me through for weeks. Everything I was getting offended at. People and things. And when it was over with, I've not had that pain. That pain has left me and it's never come back. That was a valuable lesson. But see, I was, and then he walked me through 
when he showed me this, take heed that no one deceive you, and then he talked about self-deception, he brought that to my mind and reminded me how self-deceived I was. And in that, I was taking offense at certain people like my supervisor because there was things going on, obviously, that were sinful. There was some dishonesty going on. There was some cheating going on. There was some things going on, and it was obvious. But I deceived myself into thinking I had a right to be angry. I had a right to be I didn't know it was offended, but offended. I had a right to step out of my bounds as an assistant and partake in supervisor role. I felt justified. And I was so wrong. But see, I didn't know. I was deceived. I allowed myself to be deceived. I was stepping out of my bounds. I was in rebellion. I was in disobedience. Because the Lord showed me it does not matter. As long as she was not asking or telling me to sin, I still had to submit to her authority. And he told me that is a problem in, within the church. There's an authority problem that we don't want to submit to authority. A lot of times we quote James, I think it's James 4 to 6, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. No, that's not what it says. It says Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There's a protocol. Protocol. Then the Lord walked me into pride. A lot of pride. And I'm talking to myself, a lot of pride. He's had to walk me through a lot of pride. He's had to humble me. I've some humbled myself but there's been a many times he's had to humble me because i was too stubborn and too blind and wanted my way and not anybody else's pride is an ugly 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 thing pride comes in many many forms pride comes in road rage pride comes in thinking you're better than anybody and you don't have to stand in line in patience Pride comes in self-pity, feeling sorry for yourself. That was a lesson. I didn't even know. I thought pride was when you're egotistical, you're independent. That's what I thought pride was. Like, I don't need no help. I got it all myself. I don't need your help. But I went through a period in my life where I felt sorry for myself, and I played a victim. And everything was, oh, my gosh, I don't understand why all this is happening to me. And I'm doing the best that I can, and I don't understand. And I'm constantly in the prayer line trying to get breakthrough there was no breakthrough because i was in pride i was acting in pride and the lord spoke to me after months of me being in this and said you are in pride you're you're exhibiting pride and i'm like how am i prideful i am not prideful look what's happening to me and he said because you're in self-pity anything to do with self is pride it's all about you And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it just shocked me. I had no idea. A lot of people don't realize that. When we're out here in traffic and somebody cuts us off and we're just like, ooh, ooh, you just want to, uh. Do you think you're too good to be cut off in traffic? You're better than anybody else to get cut off in traffic? That is pride. 
the Lord spoke that directly to me, and I will not back down on that. When we're waiting in line for something, and the cashier is being really, really slow, and we're just like, oh, we're too good to wait our turn. So we are better than anybody else in that line, and we should get service quickly. That is pride. There are so many forms of pride, and there is so much self-deception in it that we don't even see it. And pride is an ugly, ugly thing, I'm telling you. So, man. So he did give me these scriptures. I wrote them down. We're going to have to look them up, though. <laughs> um, yeah. So we all know that God gives grace to the humble, and he opposes the proud. So that was something else he spoke to me. A lot of times when I was going up to the prayer line to get breakthrough early on in my walk with the Lord, because most times there is a prayer line for everything. You know what I mean? And a lot of times it's not a matter of prayer. (laughs) It's a matter of dying to yourself. A lot of times it's a matter of not only dying to yourself, it's about renewing your mind and getting in the word of God. But I did not know that. So when people would say, hey, come get prayer for this, come get prayer for that, come get prayer for that, I got to where I would jump in the prayer line for everything and then walk out of the church wondering why I was still screwed up. Well, they prayed for me why I didn't get my breakthrough. Well, because I wasn't dying to myself and I wasn't renewing my mind. I needed somebody to tell me that. I needed somebody to discern the fact that when I came up there and told them what I needed prayer for, they needed to say, that's not a prayer issue. This is what you need to do. But a lot of times I didn't have that. So I got hooked on prayer lines. If that's even a thing, probably is with me. (laughs) Amen. Okay, let's go to Proverbs 8.13. I love you, Lord. So Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. So the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way. So if we do not hate evil... We do not hate pride and arrogance and the evil way. Then we're opposing God says he hates it. We're to hate it. And the perverse mouth he hates. So that was something else he showed me the perverse mouth. The first thing I would think of with a perverse mouth was cussing, talking dirty, talking lustful, sexual. Making dirty jokes, dirty comments, innuendos. No. Perverse mouth to God is speaking one thing and doing another. Speaking the opposite of what his word is. If he hates pride and arrogance, what makes us think we are, we can go out here and commit road rage and go, well, you know, well, it's just my flesh. Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. I've heard people say that. That's been Christians for years and years. I mean, like in pulpits, not here, but in pulpits and other places, laugh 
talk about their road rage and then laugh about it and go, well, I'm, you know, I'm flesh too, just like you guys. You ain't no better than I am. And I'm thinking, God, that is not God's heart. That is not God's heart. We should not be making jokes about that. Because when we have pride in our heart, God opposes the proud. Do you hear me? Then he showed me when things were going on and I was being attacked. It wasn't the devil. It wasn't my flesh. It was God opposing me because I was in pride. Yeah. I'm telling you, that that was a hard one for me to, because I mean, I was at a point, there was a time in my life where it felt like I was in the thorn bushes. So much stuff was coming at me. I couldn't figure out what was going on. Sickness, financial stuff. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff going on. I couldn't get a break. I'm thinking, what is going on? And the Lord was opposing me because I was in pride. I'm opposing you. There's all kinds of it in in the Bible. Saul. Saul was full of pride. God sent a tormenting spirit to him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is not just about grace and love. Is he graceful? Yes. Is he merciful? Yes. Is he love? Yes. But he is also just. And he will not be mocked. He will not be mocked. And if he wasn't mocked in the Old Testament, you better bet he's not going to be mocked now with our, his Holy Spirit living in us. Do we? I think it's even more severe. He lives in us everywhere we go. Everything we do, he is there. Everything we partake of, he is there. Everything that we're doing that's sinful and counting it as whatever, he's there. I think he takes it more serious. I really do. I may be wrong. God convict me if I am. But I feel like it's not just greasy grace. Jesus came because it's grace. And now we can live the way we want to. I don't think it's that way at all. At all. I think it's more severe because he lives in us. Because we represent him. We represent him. Everywhere we go and everything we do, people watch us. And I'm not saying we act right and all that because people are watching us. We do it because he lives in us and he saved us by grace. I don't know about you, but I know he saved me from the pits of hell. The pits of hell. I should be dead. I should be riddled with AIDS, hepatitis. I don't have any of that. None of it. Why? I don't know why. Why he chose to set me free from homosexuality when I didn't even think it was wrong. I don't know why, but he did, and I'm grateful for it. So grateful for it. But he will oppose us. I think we need, I think what he's wanting us to do is we need to start evaluating ourselves, seeking him, seek him, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Try me, know if there's any wicked way in me. All right, well, then things start coming down on you. You just ask for it. He's going to start bringing all that stuff to the surface, that dross, and getting it out of there. But he will oppose us. I think sometimes we need to evaluate before we run to the prayer line or we're calling everybody in the church because we need help. We might want to get before the Lord first and ask him, Lord, is this me? Am I being prideful? Have I sinned? I've heard, I'm not going to say who it was, 
But I heard a pastor say one time that that was being religious when you did that all the time. When things were going wrong, if you automatically said, well, Lord, is it me? What is there something in me? Is there something I'm doing? And that that was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Where you're just always going by the law. But anyway, I can't think of it right now. I don't think that way. I want to, I want to check my heart. I want God to check my heart. I want to know what I'm doing. And we are in refiner's fire. And then something else that he spoke to me about pride Pride will rise up in situations where things are getting hard. God's refining us. God is not going to use a lukewarm church. He is not going to use a lukewarm church. And I feel like he's wanting us to know he's going to turn up the fire. The fire, the refiner's fire in each one of our hearts. So when things start going on. He's getting all that junk out of us because it says no one will see God unless they have a pure heart. We have to be holy and blameless and spotless, holy, blameless and spotless. That is the bride, holy, blameless and spotless. We're running around offended and prideful and arrogant and self-pity and not submitting to our authority, that is not holy, blameless, and spotless. Not even close. And another thing, I don't want us to think that God will not draw us into a trial or tribulation. He will. He will not tempt us. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. David, look what David went through. But God allowed it because he knew he was going to be king. Look what Joseph went through. God didn't stop these things. God didn't say, well, you know what? It would be so much better if you quit your job and you got that Christian environment and everybody was just praising the Lord from nine to five because you don't need to be in that warehouse where everybody's cussing. God is not, that's not. That's not God. You're supposed to be a light. So if that's even a thought, you need to start being the light where you're at. And I don't know who that's for, if that's here or online, but I felt that rise up right in me that we need to quit praying to God about getting a better job because the one I have, I just can't be, I just can't be Christian there. And I just can't, you know what I mean? Because there's just too much going on. You're supposed to be the light. Arise, shine for the glory of the Lord is upon you. That's what we are. The world's going to get darker and we're going to get brighter. Amen. Amen. Okay. Proverbs six. Now I just spoke earlier a little bit about God hating certain things. Proverbs six, starting at verse 16 to 19 says specifically these six things the Lord hates. Can't get around it. Doesn't say that the Lord dislikes. The Lord has given you grace so you can do it. He understands. He knows your heart. I've heard that so many times. Oh, but he knows my heart. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he does. And it's wicked above all things. <laughs> These six things the Lord hates. 
Yes, seven are an abomination to him. An abomination, that is a strong word. Homosexuality is an abomination to him. I know, Lord, I'm staying on track. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. So a proud look, that, that's not just a, hmm, I'm better than you. I think it goes deeper than that, but I would have to get into the the uh, Hebrew to verify that, but I'm pretty sure it's not just a look. It's, he's always about motives. The Lord is about motives, heart motives. It's, it's an attitude of the heart. A lying tongue. How many of us say we're Christians, but we'll lie or say it's just a little white lie to save our butt, cover ourselves? even lie to defend ourselves out of fear. I've done it. I've been at work and walked away and told the Lord, why did I just say that? I've had to humble myself and go back and say, you know what? I just flat out lied. I don't even know why I said what I said, but I lied. And people look at me like, what? Yeah, I lied. I don't know why, but I sure did lie. Everything I just said was a big fat lie. Yeah. That's humbling. That's humbling. I did that with a refrigerator repairman at my apartment. Guy come in and I started yapping about something about my brother and da, 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 da. And I sat there in the recliner and the Lord said, you just lied. I said, I did. And I told that man, I said, I am so sorry. I just lied to you. I said, I don't even know why I said what I said. I said, I just flat out lied to you. And he looked at me like I was nuts. Like, okay, I need to fix this and go on. Yeah. Hands that shed innocent blood. I did not understand what that was. I remember when I was at Freedom House, somebody come and taught on this. Um, Hands that shed innocent blood. Now, you remember if you talk about your brother bad, same as murder. If you hate your brother, it's the same as murder. Hands that shed innocent blood. This, there's a lot of things this could be, but the one thing the Lord brought to my heart when I read that was destroying somebody's character and their reputation. Talking about somebody in a way that you should not be talking about them to make them look bad, to maybe put some kind of doubt or suspicion in somebody else's mind about somebody else. That's hands that shed innocent blood. That doesn't literally, it can mean literally to go out and murder somebody, but there's a whole, it's a, this is a heart issue. This is a heart issue. That's what this is. It's about our motives. Why are we doing what we're doing? When we're nice to somebody, is there a motive behind it? Do we feel like we have to be nice because there's people watching? Are we doing it because the Lord Jesus Christ has saved us and set us free and we want to be like him? We want to be conformed in his image and love others the way he loves them. We've got to check our heart. Everything we're doing, we need to ask ourselves, why am I doing what I'm doing? And when we're getting angry and offended 
we need to ask ourselves, why do I feel like I'm so better than anybody else that I shouldn't be cut off in traffic or I shouldn't have the slow cashier? I really feel this strong. The Lord's laid this on my heart. A heart that devises wicked plans. That means a lot of things too, but the thing the Lord brought to my mind is meditating on things that are not good. A heart that devises wicked plans. I have been guilty of it. Thinking of conversations that I'm going to have in the future with so-and-so and how I can make myself look better. I mean, yeah. Feet that are swift and running to evil. That there's a lot of meaning in that too. One thing that comes to mind on that feet that are swift and running to evil is doing something behind somebody else's back. Evil is anything that opposes God's word and his truth and his character. Feet that are swift and running to do something against God. Whether it be manipulating somebody, lying to somebody, there's a whole lot in that one. Just that one little verse. A false witness who speaks lies. That's pretty obvious. Somebody, oh, you know what? I heard I heard Tom say da 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 and I mean I'm just saying I don't know why he said it, but I just I heard him say it, knowing that he didn't say it. Knowing that he didn't say it. <laughs> knowing that he didn't say it. Or hey, um, you know, I heard I heard so and so struggling with uh you know, they're they're stealing candy bars at the store again, man. You know, that's something that I thought they gave up. But, man, we really need to pray for them. And, um, you know, and, hey, while we're at it, you know, Sally's doing dope again. And, I mean, just going on and on about stuff instead of taking that stuff to the Lord and acting like you're concerned and wanting to pray for somebody and you're really just wanting to gossip. That is not God hates gossip. Gossip is lying. Same thing as lying. And one who sows discord among brethren, that's pretty obvious. That's, you know, setting somebody up saying, well, you know what? D was over here and he said that um, your hair looked like crap. And um, I mean, you know, did he really? Yeah. I just, hey man, I, don't, I just don't want to start. I just don't want to get in the middle of it. I just thought you should know. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, that stuff. But don't say nothing. Don't tell him I said anything. I don't want him to know I said it. That kind of stuff. That is evil. That is pure evil. That is evil. The other one is James 4, 3. Look, and here's the deal. God is not going to make us check our heart. But I can tell you this. The Lord has spoke this to me. I don't think I'm wrong, but I am going to be humble enough to say, Lord, if I am wrong, I want you to convict me through your Holy Spirit and show me what is right. But I'm, I feel very strongly about we don't just say a prayer and then we just do what we want to do and say, well, the Lord's working on me. I don't think it's that way. I really don't even think it's just saying a prayer. We need to, we need, it's not man i'm telling you the lord brought this in my heart i feel this so strong it is not even just saying a prayer because we got to count the cost 
We don't just say a prayer and invite Jesus in our heart and then go on about our business. We, he's commanding us to die to ourselves. Die to yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. If you're worried about stuff back here, you are not worthy to be my disciple. But are we telling people that? Are we telling people that? When we're telling them, just invite them in your heart, and you're good. No, you're not. I'm going to tell you right now. Your life is not going to be good because the enemy is going to come and attack you on every point. Your flesh is going to be screaming, I don't want to do this. This is too hard. But if you submit to God and resist the devil, he has to flee from you. But it's a matter as if you want to or not, God's not going to make you do the right thing. He is not going to make you do the Look, the word even says there will be many on that day, on judgment day, that will look at the Lord and say, but Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out devils in your name. We healed the sick in your name. And he's going to look them in the eye and say, I didn't even know you. Depart from me. That's scary, guys. The gifts of God are irrevocable. Just because God's using you in a gift does not mean you're right with him. Does not mean you're right with him. I got the gift of evangelism and the discerning of spirits. Just because I'm working powerful in those areas, if and when I am, does not mean that when I walk out of here, my heart is right with him. I could still be out here sinning and doing stuff in the dark behind closed doors nobody even knows about. But God's still going to use me through those gifts because his gifts are irrevocable. He won't take them back. I had this gift before I even knew I had the gift. But the enemy used it and perverted it. That was a lesson I had to learn too. That just because I'm using you does not mean your heart is right with me. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. Didn't we do this in your name? And I'm going to say, depart from me because I didn't even know you. I don't want him to say that to me. I do not want him to say that to me. I don't care what kind of fool I look like. I want my heart pure. I want clean hands and a pure heart before the Lord. And I don't care what that costs. I've told the Lord. I've already had to sacrifice a lot of stuff already. He's pulled people out of my life, hurt, hurt me that I really wanted to get that relationship back, family, and him tell me no. You know, I've had to back away from my own daughter, sad to say, because I was getting in the way of what God was trying to do in her life. That was hard. But I want a pure heart and clean hands. Um, James 4, 3. God, I love you. Mm. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, exclamation point. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. There is so many of us. That are friends with the world. You can't get no more friends with the world when you're inviting homosexuals in your church, dress, a man dressed as a woman, preaching from the pulpit, saying, I'm teaching the love of God. God is love, but he is just. He is not going to continue 
he's not going to let that continue. He just ain't. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. And there's other sexual immoralities. There's adultery. There's lust. It's not just homosexuals. I don't want to just pick on the homosexuals. But sexual immorality is one of the highest sins. And yes, sin is, there's a rating of sin. It's not just straight across the board. Lying is equal with murder. Because if you, if you study that out, there was different offerings that had to be brought for each sin. Now, sin, you're not going to get into heaven, period. Sin is sin in that way. But sexual immorality is a sin against your body. And it is the highest rated sin. Of course, blasphemy really is. But, um, yeah, let me get back on track here, Lord. Sorry. Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. We have to make an effort to draw near to God. We have to make an effort to put ourselves before the Lord and say, here I am. I surrender to you. Do whatever you want with me. You're the potter and I'm the vessel. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and then he will lift you up. Powerful. And then the last scripture is Isaiah 2, 11. There is life, life in this word. Life in this word. Life in this word. I'm holding that page right there. <laughs> I feel like he wants me to go back to that for a minute. But, okay. What did I say? Isaiah 2, 11. Okay. Because we keep saying that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, he is. He is God, and God is just. And there were some things in the Old Testament. I mean, look at Annas and Sapphira. Is that how you pronounce her name in the New Testament? They lied about the selling of land and committing it to the church, and they dropped dead for it. Peter said, you haven't lied to man. You lied to the Holy Spirit. And before they could even do anything, they dropped dead. And the feet that just carried your husband's coming in to get you, and she dropped dead. That's the point we're getting to. That is what's going to come. That is the New Testament. This is in the New Testament era now. That is what God is getting ready to do. I feel that so strong that we really have to cleanse our hearts. We have to humble ourselves before the Lord because it's going to get to that point. God is done. He's had enough. I believe that. I feel that so strongly. He loves us. Yes, don't get me wrong, but he's not going to allow his church to make a mockery of him. He will not be mocked. Whew, Jesus, this is really uncomfortable that you picked me to do this, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, Isaiah 2, 11 through uh, 12. 
The lofty looks of man shall be humbled. The haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall come upon everything proud and lofty, upon everything lifted up, and it shall be brought low. Then I'm going to skip down to verse 18. But the idols he shall utterly abolish. What idols do we have in our heart? That was the other thing he showed me. What idols do we have in our heart? Social media, phones, jobs, vehicles, money, relationships, people, places, things. It could be a lot of stuff. And how to examine that is when you're hurting, what's your go-to? Are you going to the Tylenol? You going to the doctor? Are you going to the Lord? When you want entertainment, where are you going? I believe the Lord can entertain us too. He says he's everything to us. Let's try him in that. If he's everything to us, we say he's everything to us. Is he really everything to us? What idols have we set up in our heart? And I'm talking to myself. That's why I keep saying we and us, because I'm included in this. I'm not, I'm not a preacher up here going, you, you, you. I've seen preachers do that. And the Lord immediately tell me, don't ever do that. Because you're excluding yourself and making it all about someone else when you're included in that too. You are no better than anybody else. Okay, yes, sir. <laughs> Amen. I got it. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then the last thing that he just gave me just now, I didn't even know I was going to go here, is Isaiah 55, verse 10. Because I've spoke the word, and I've, he's given me the, this, these words, which are his words, and I have said them the best that I can. And his word is powerful. His word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it will cut between the soul and the spirit. And I believe that's what it's going to do tonight from this day forth. Every one of us, everybody who hears this message from social media to tonight, this word is going to burn in you. And you're going to either choose to bow low before the Lord and get rid of the idols and the pride and the arrogance and the lion tongue and whatever else it is that you're doing behind closed doors or even with doors open that you think you're going to get away with or you choose to quit calling yourself a professed Christian and just be a friend with the world because you're not going to have it both ways. I don't believe he's going to do it. He's not going to have it. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. And he has sent it tonight. And I thank you for that, Lord. I just want to say right now, if there's anybody, look, God is merciful, he's gracious, and he's loving. I have committed sin just like anybody else in here. 
We all fall short of the glory of God. He has convicted me of pride, lying, all kinds of stuff. So I just want to say right now, if there's anybody in here that wants to come up to the altar and repent for whatever it is, it's between you and the Lord. But whatever sin you're struggling with, whatever idol you want to get rid of, I feel like the Lord wants to call you now. Pure hands and a clean heart. That's between you and the Lord, whatever it is. You can bend down here on the, the front row. That can be an altar. But I feel like the Lord's calling us. The Lord is calling us. This is not light. This is not a light message. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you've given me to be able to just stand here, Lord, and just repeat what you've given me. And, Father God, I just say right now, if there's anything that I have said that's been my own and not yours, I ask you to convict me, Holy Spirit. I ask that show me and reveal my heart, our hearts, Lord, that there be any wicked way in us, Lord, that you get it out. There be any idols in us, Lord, that you reveal them so we can get rid of them, Lord. Father, let us seek you above all things. Let us not seek any other but you. You are the one true God, Lord. I know all through history, Lord, in your word of how Israel would stray and they would um, commit idolatry and the mess they would get in. You would literally turn them over to their enemies because you loved them that much. It was like a spanking, like what parents do with their children because you love us that much that you don't want us to go to hell. You don't want us to be lost. It is not once saved, always saved. Father, I thank you. And I ask that your word just settle in each one of our hearts like a seed and take root and weed out everything that doesn't need to be there. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.